Welcome to the program. My name is Rick Renner. Thank you for letting me come right into your space. Today, we're going to be returning to James chapter 4, such a marvelous chapter in the New Testament about the Holy Spirit's presence in our life. If you didn't see yesterday's program, please go back to the archives and see it or order the whole series, which is called Partnering with the Holy Spirit and planning for tomorrow and the future. You know, Denise saw yesterday's program. She says, what does this teaching have to do with partnering with the Holy Spirit? Well, my friend, if you grieve the Holy Spirit, it will affect every part of your life. But if you maintain a rich experience with the Lord and with the Spirit of God, you can partner with Him. And my friends, we need to partner with the Holy Spirit and He will help us plan for tomorrow and for the future. But anyway, you can order the entire series by going online or by giving us a call right now. And the series comes with a study guide that's filled with all the points and the principles and the Greek words. Everything in this series is in the study guide so that you can read it while you hear it or while you see it. And right now we're also offering you my book, which is called The Holy Spirit and You Working Together as Heaven's Dynamic Duo. This is one of my favorite books that I've written because it's so practical. It's filled with personal insights and testimony about how I learned to really partner with the Holy Spirit. And if you don't already have a copy of The Holy Spirit and You, order one today and order a couple because this is definitely a book you're going to want to share with somebody else. And my friends, if you're not a partner, would you please pray about becoming a partner with our ministry? Do you know why I'm able to speak to you today? I'm able to speak to you today by television and by media because of partners who give their financial gifts to our ministry that enables this signal to come directly to you. Me speaking to you today is a result of partners who regularly sow into this ministry. And partners, I want to say thank you. You're such heroes. Together, we are impacting people's lives. And if you're listening to me today and you're not a partner, would you please become a partner and help change somebody else's life? And the moment you become a partner with our ministry, we're going to send you my book, which is called Life in the Combat Zone. I always send this book to anyone who becomes a part of our partner family because it's dedicated to partners and because everybody deals with rough times in their lives. But the subtitle says, How to Survive, Thrive, and Overcome in the Midst of Any Difficult Situation. You can do it. You just need to know how. And when you become a partner with our ministry, I want to give you this book and Denise's book, which is called The Gift of Forgiveness. We always give these two books to anyone who joins our partner family, and we will welcome you into our spiritual family. And please remember that if you need prayer, we're waiting for the phone to ring right now. Just give us a ring, or maybe you'll send us an email. And the moment your email shows up in our inbox or when our phone rings, if we'll know how to pray for you, we will really pray. We pray when we hear from people. And if you let us know how to pray, we will release our faith. And I guarantee you, God will do something marvelous in response to our praying. But I'll be back in just a moment. Stay tuned for a teaching you can trust, a message that will inspire, strengthen, 
and equip you with vital insights and understanding from the Word of God. Here is Rick. Reach for your Bibles, and today we're going to go back to James chapter 4, and we're going to review verse 5, which we covered in yesterday's program. But I want to read to you James 4, 5 through verse 10. Listen to what the Bible says. Do you think the scripture saith in vain that the spirit that dwells in us lusteth to envy? We covered that yesterday. I'm going to review it again in just a moment. But then in verse 6, James says, but he giveth more grace. Wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but gives grace unto the humble. Verse 7, submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Verse 8, draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Verse 9, be afflicted and mourn. And weep, let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. Verse 10, here's God's objective. Verse 10, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. That is God's objective. But today we're going to begin in verse 5 and review what we covered yesterday. And in yesterday's program, we saw that the believers that James was writing to had really deteriorated into a low-level carnal mess. They were fighting. They were slugging it out. They were trying to reestablish their lives and retake what they had lost due to persecution, but they didn't even pray about it. And then when they did pray, they prayed with a wrong motivation. James says they asked amiss. And in fact, their behavior was so horrible that when you come to James chapter 4, verse 4, he calls them adulterers and adulteresses, which means in the mind of God, they had crossed a line. And if you continue reading that verse, they had reconnected with the world. They were obsessed with worldly possessions. They were obsessed with regaining their status in society. And the red-hot love they had for Jesus slowly had been misdirected back to the world again. And James said, whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. That word will be, the Greek word bulomai, it describes self-talk or self-counsel. We saw yesterday, no Christian who really loves Jesus wakes up and says, today I'm going to backslide, today I'm going to drift. But the word bulomai, translated will be, means step by step they counseled themselves with one little exception and another little exception and another little exception until finally they walked themselves from being in this red hot love with Jesus and slowly, 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 slowly their temperature begins to change, their position changes and they drift and the affection they felt for the Lord, now it's been misdirected to other things. They used to pray in tongues. They used to read their Bible. They used to rejoice and release their faith. Now they don't even read their Bible. They're still going to church, so they think that they're okay. But there are a lot of people who go to church that are not okay because they've crossed a line that should never be crossed. And James says, when you give your affection, your fondness and devotion that belongs only to him, to something else, in the mind of God, this is spiritual Adultery. Now, my friends, that is very important. Then in verse 5, he says, Do you think the scripture saith in vain? The word vain, the Greek word kenos, do you think the scripture says to no avail or for no purpose that the spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy? It's talking about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit dwells in us. That word dwell 
The Greek word kat, oikeia, it's a compound of two words. The word kata means down. The word oikeia is from oikos, the Greek word for a house. The word dwelleth, when you compound these two words together, it forms the word kat oikeia, which pictures one who settles down into a house and makes it his permanent place of residency. James says, do you not understand who lives in you? The Holy Spirit himself lives in you. And unfortunately, the Holy Spirit is ignored by many people in whom he indwells. My friends, we don't need to ignore the Holy Spirit. We need to partner with the Holy Spirit. And James then goes on to say the spirit that dwells in us, the word in, the Greek word in, it describes the location where the Holy Spirit lives. He lives in us. And the verse goes on to say he lusts to envy. The word lust, the Greek word epipotheo. Now that is really important. The word epi means over, it is an intensifier. The word potheo means to yearn, to have an aching for something, to hanker for something. It is a craving or it is an intense hunger. But when you compound the two words together, epi and potheo, they form the Greek word epipotheo, which portrays a fervent passion or somebody who wants something so badly that he is obsessed with it. The Holy Spirit is yearning. He has a hunger. He has a craving. For what? For me. The Holy Spirit in me wants to fill me. He wants to possess me. And it's so wonderful that the Holy Spirit in you wants to fill you. He wants to possess you. He is pining for us. And it doesn't matter how much we surrender to him today. Guess what? By tomorrow... He's going to show us something else. He wants us to surrender to him so he can fill it with his presence. He wants us and he wants all of us. That is what this word lusteth tell us. But then it goes on and says he lusteth to envy. The word envy, the Greek word pithonos, which depicts jealousy or a hostile feeling towards someone else because of an advantage, a benefit, or position that another person has, or even better, a deeply felt grudge due to someone possessing what one wishes was his own. And here's what we find. When we give our affection, when we give our fondness and our devotion to something else that belongs only to the Lord, the Lord does not appreciate it. He senses a resentment toward that, but he doesn't just say, well, they don't love me like they used to. This word pithonos, the Greek word envy, means like a lover who feels betrayed, he is going to put a plan into action to get you to come home. He's going to restore you to him. He wants your devotion to come back to him. And if you won't come back on your own, pithonos, the Greek word envy, God will set into position a plan. A plan will be set into motion to get you delivered from whatever it is that you're doing or you're focusing on and to redirect that devotion and affection back on him again. And if you won't come by yourself, God will do whatever is necessary to get you home again. That's what this word envy means. And that's why James continues and he says in verse 6, but He giveth more grace. And now James is going to describe God's divine rescue plan to get you to come back home and for your devotion to return to him. 
and he begins with the word but, which in Greek is the word day. It is an exclamation mark, but, however, emphatically, categorically, he giveth more grace. Which means if you won't come home by your own, God's grace will swing into action and will do whatever is necessary to get you to return your affection to him again. And how's he going to do it? How is this particular grace going to get you to come back home? Well, notice what he says. He giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud. The word resisteth, the Greek word, antitasomai. Listen to this. The word anti means against. Tasomai from tasa, which means to order or to arrange. But when you compound the two words together, this word resisteth, the Greek word antitasomai, means to arrange oneself against. A translation could be, God therefore arranges himself against the proud. It means to methodically oppose. God will methodically oppose the proud. It is a strategic plan of opposition intended to bring a situation back under control. And who is God resisting? He's resisting the proud. The word proud being the Greek word huperephanos from the word hooper, which depicts something that is above or something that's snooty or superior. The word phanos means to be manifested or a manifestation. But when you compound the two words together, it is the attitude of a snooty person, a person who is superior, a person that's high and mighty, impotent, or even insolent. And it really describes an unrepentant, stubborn person. He hears the message. I've strayed. I need to come back home. But rather than realize how serious his spiritual condition is, he doesn't take it serious. He's impudent. He's insolent. He's stubborn. And God loves that believer so much that God says, hey, if you're not going to come home by yourself, my grace is going to swing into action and do for you what you're not doing for yourself. And what does God do to the person that is stubborn and doesn't willfully come home on his own accord? The verse says God resists that believer. Now that's a teaching you may not hear very often, but there are times when God resists believers. He sets into plan a strategic plan to oppose them, to stop them, to resist them. Why? Not because he's against them, but because he's for them. He's trying to get them to wake up to their condition so they'll repent and come back home. And my friends, I want to tell you, when God puts out his hand to stop you, you're stopped. You're not going to have any kind of movement in your life. And I learned years ago that if I'm feeling resistance in my life, of course I'm going to deal with the devil. But before I deal with the devil, first I stop and I always ask God, am I doing anything that's causing you to put me on pause to get my attention? Because the Bible clearly says in this verse, God resists. He strategically opposes those that are insolent, impotent, and stubborn who will not come back of their own accord. God will do whatever is necessary to get their attention. And he will even resist them and foil their plans, not because he's against them, but because he loves them so much, he wants to get their attention and bring them back home. That's plainly what this means. And in fact, in James 4, verse 6, it says, He giveth grace unto the humble. James calls this an act of grace. 
And it really is an act of grace that if you're not going to come home by yourself, God will do whatever is necessary to get you to come back home. And notice it says he gives grace unto the humble. The word humble is a form of the Greek word tepenos, which means one that is willing to stoop to any measure that is needed. It describes a repentant heart, which means the moment you wake up and realize, you know what, I've strayed. I have veered. I've given my attention and my devotion and my fondness to something else. The moment you wake up to that and you begin to go through the act of repentance, grace swings into action. The resistance stops. The blessing of God begins to flow. God just needs our attention and our willingness to repent in that particular case. And in James chapter 4, verse 7, it says, Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. The word submit, the Greek word hupotasa, which means get things back in order. It describes your submission to the authority of God. You've wandered from it. Now realign yourself under God and then you can resist the devil. And the word resist, the Greek word enthystomy, which means to stand against the devil. It describes the attitude of one who is fiercely opposed to something and therefore does everything he can in his power to resist it, to stand against or to defy. And the Bible says you can resist the devil and he will do what? He will flee from you, flee from you. The word flee is the Greek word, which means to flee, to take flight, to run away to run as fast as possible or even to escape. He will try to escape from you. It pictures one's feet flying as he runs from a situation, which means if you get everything right between you and the Lord and you realign yourself under his authority, it then gives you power to resist things that have come against you. And in fact, you're so aligned under the authority of God, the devil will try to escape from you. It is the very word, this word flee, which was used to depict a lawbreaker who flees in terror from a city or a nation lest he be prosecuted. The devil knows I better get out of here because this person has gotten his relationship with God right and it gives this person authority over me. He will flee from you. That's the promise of scripture. But then you come to James chapter four, verse eight. And we find that the particular believers James was writing to had so strayed that they had calloused themselves spiritually. They had calloused themselves. Well, when you've calloused yourself, you have to go through a process to renew your spiritual sensitivity. And now he describes that process beginning in verse 8. Draw nigh to God and God will draw nigh to you. In Greek, the words draw nigh means draw as near as possible. If you draw near to God, God will draw near to you. And you find that God responds to contrition. It's like metal and a magnet. When a person has contrition in his heart, it attracts the presence of God. It brings God to you. And that's what this verse says. Draw nigh to God and God will draw nigh to you. And then he says, cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts. James calls his readers sinners, 
which in Greek really describes those who keep missing the mark. They're messing up all the time. He's not judging them. He's not condemning them. He's saying, guys, you are really failing to hit the bullseye. You're missing the mark. You keep falling short of what God expects and what God approves. And he says, you need to purify your hearts. The word purify is a form of the Greek word hagnos. It describes something purified and free from defilement, pure inside and out. It represents the process, the process of doing whatever is necessary to be free from defilement and to be cleansed. And it even described those who ceremonially cleanse themselves with water. And I'm going to read you from my notes. Though the water is the agent that cleanses, the water is the agent that cleanses, the worshiper had to put his hands into the water to be cleansed. If he did not participate, the water would do nothing for him. And likewise, the blood of Jesus is there, but you have to extend yourself to receive that. Your participation is required for a cleansing to take place. And he says, purify your hearts. The word hearts being the Greek word cardia. It describes the deepest level possible. Go for the deepest cleansing possible, ye double-minded. The word double-minded, the Greek word disukas, it describes a person with two heads or two souls, someone that's pulled in different directions. One day they want to serve the Lord. The next day their mind is back on the world. They're wishy-washy in their spiritual commitment. He says, hey guys, you need to be ceremonially cleansed. The cleansing power is available. It is the blood. It is the water of the word, but you've got to be involved. You have to participate to receive this cleansing. And then he says in verse nine, remarkably be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. This word joy here would be lightheartedness. They were not taking serious their spiritual condition. He said, let it be turned to heaviness. The word heaviness is a Greek word which describes a deep contemplative look. You need to really understand what has happened to you spiritually. And then he says in verse 10, humble yourself in the eyes of the Lord and he shall lift you up. And that is God's objective. He wants to lift you up, but he needs you first to come home. He needs you to organize yourself under his authority, to humble yourself. That word humble means to stoop to any level necessary, stoop to any level necessary that God requires of you to get things right, to be cleansed, Participate in the cleansing. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. We're talking about full restoration. And in fact, the words lift you up in Greek means the highest or most eminent place. It pictures a place of dignity to elevate or to exalt one to a place of eminence and dignity. That's what God wants to do in your life. But if you've strayed, you have to come back home. And it begins with the act of recognition, contrition. And if you'll be contrite, if you'll draw near to God, God will draw near to you. If you will contemplate what really is your spiritual condition, recognize what needs to be changed and be willing to do whatever God requires you to do, it will initiate the process for God to bring you from a low place back to a very high place of dignity and that is God's objective in your life. I'll be back in just a moment, and I want to pray for you. Do you know how to partner with the Holy Spirit and work with God? 
Do you know what to do to make the Holy Spirit feel comfortable in your life and how to throw open the door for Him to do powerful work in your life? In this five-part series, Partnering with the Holy Spirit and Planning for the Future, Rick Renner teaches you how to roll out the red carpet to welcome the Holy Spirit's partnership in your life, what to do if you grieve the Holy Spirit and feel you've lost something spiritually along the way, how the grace of God can change everything in your life, how the Holy Spirit can help you plan for today, tomorrow, and the future. Available in digital or physical formats, starting at just $10. This series is a life changer. In addition to this teaching series, you can also get the book, The Holy Spirit in You. In this book, Rick will bring you to an intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit and show you how to operate in spiritual gifts. You can know the Holy Spirit intimately and be better equipped to partner with Him in every area of your life. But you need to know how to do it. This powerful book can be yours for just $15. Don't delay ordering your copy. These two powerful teachings are available to you today. The series Partnering with the Holy Spirit and Planning for the Future and the book The Holy Spirit and You. Call the number on your screen now or go to renner.org to order. Call or go online now. Hey friends, this is Rick Renner and right now I'm standing in what's going to be the future studio for our television ministry in Moscow, Russia. Who would have ever believed that we would be broadcasting the Word of God from Moscow to the ends of the earth, but that's exactly what's happening. Romans 10:18 says their words will go into all the world, their voice to the ends of the earth, and it's really happening. And my friends, we're constructing the studio. Look at it. The walls are starting to go up. And within just two weeks, this entire building will be standing with the roof, the doors, the windows, everything. And then the work begins on the interior. And I get so excited thinking that right where I'm standing is where I'm going to be seated looking into the camera to teach the Word of God to people all over the world who are crying out and who are saying, God, please send us someone with teaching that we can trust. I believe that's our assignment. Proverbs 10:21 says, the lips of the righteous feed many. And I know our job is to feed many the Word of God. And we do it because of the anointing and because of your help as partners. Thank you for being part of the giving team that's making this come to pass. And if you're not already a part of the giving team, please, would you pray about joining us to help us make this dream become a reality? We're off to a good start, but we need to finish and we need as many people as possible to participate. So I welcome you to our giving team and I thank you in advance for everything that you're going to do. This series, which I'm teaching, is just jam-packed with revelation from James chapter 4 about not grieving the Holy Spirit, how to partner with the Holy Spirit, and if you've grieved Him, how to make it right so you can be fully restored. And in the following programs, we're going to be seeing how to plan for tomorrow and for the future. But the whole series is called Partnering with the Holy Spirit and Planning for Tomorrow 
and the future. Please order yours. You need to hear it and hear it and hear it. And it comes with a study guide. And right now we're also offering you my book, which is called The Holy Spirit and You Working Together as Heaven's Dynamic Duo. That's God's intention for you to partner with the Holy Spirit and you and him become the dynamic duo in this world. But Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus that you love us so much that if we have strayed, your grace swings into action to bring us back to where we need to be. We thank you for that grace, Lord. We say amen. Work in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. I'll see you tomorrow. But remember, Ecclesiastes 8.4, where the word of a king is, there is power.